We have, uh, we've been reading the Gospels together this fall, and uh, for the last month or so we've been looking specifically at the teachings of Jesus. Uh, Jesus once said that everyone who hears his words and does them will be like a wise person who builds their house on the rock. There was another time uh, when Jesus was teaching and a lot of people were becoming really unsettled and hot and agitated at what he was saying. And Jesus asked the disciples if they wanted to abandon him. And Simon Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so what we've been saying as we've looked at the teaching of Jesus is that those two statements are a pretty great summary of Jesus' teaching and of its effect. Uh, Jesus' teaching is both wise and life-giving for people like us. So this morning we're going to look at some teaching that Jesus gave in a conversation uh, with someone who came to him at night. I'm going to read from John 3 for us. You can follow along uh, if you'd like in the order of worship where it's printed. I'll read John 3, 1 through 17. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask as we uh, talk about this word, this teaching from Jesus at night, to this guy named Nicodemus, as we, as we think about it and talk about it for a few minutes, um, that you would meet us. Uh, that, you would, that you would do, if you have to, what we just sang, that you'd melt 
stubborn hearts, that you'd subdue stubborn wills, that you'd show us how much you love us in Jesus and you'd change us by that love. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, a few, uh, a few weeks ago, I spent a couple nights in a hotel room that had one of those uh, room darkening shades that you draw across uh, the, the only window in the room. This, this particular room had only one window. Uh, that window had just a, a breathtakingly beautiful, gorgeous view of the main parking lot, um, uh, complete with all kinds of blazing fluorescent streetlights. So I definitely use that shade at night. And I don't, know, uh, I don't know about how all of you feel about those things. I have, I have a mixed relationship with those shades. Um, <clears throat> I like them uh, because most of my nights I sleep in our great city, and that means that most of my nights I sleep with a lot of uh, ambient light filtering in, and I'm used to that. And so every once in a while, it is nice. It is nice to sleep in a totally dark room and know that if I wake up, it's not going to be because a, a shaft of light has hit my face at the crack of dawn. But I also really don't like those things. <laughs> it feels weirdly unnatural to me. I, I don't think humans are uh, made to, to function that well without natural light. And mostly, um, I don't like them because it's a huge pain to get up in the middle of the night and have no idea where you are. And uh, most importantly... No idea how to get to the bathroom without breaking your bones, falling over stuff. So I, I have a strategy. This is what I do um, in hotel rooms like that. I look up at the ceiling until I can find uh, the smoke detector. The smoke detector usually has a little uh, LED light on it. And then I stare at that tiny light until my eyes adjust enough so that I can feel confident to hop out of bed. And uh, I am always surprised at how such a small light can make such a big difference in the dark. And I kind of think that must have been how Nicodemus felt. Even if he couldn't have put words to it, and I suspect he could not have put words to it. He sees a little bit of light, and it's enough for him. It's enough for him to move around and see if he can find what he's really looking for. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, John tells us, and he was a ruler of the Jews. There is a great deal packed into that. What it means is that Nicodemus was a, a political and theological and social heavyweight. He's a member of the Pharisees, the nationalist pressure group that was known for its strict religious adherence. They were also wildly popular at the time, and wildly influential at the time. And he's also a ruler, which is probably John's shorthand way of telling us that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which made up the ruling class at the time. That means this guy is part of the aristocracy too. And so from one, one way of looking at things, a, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of stuff has lined up really well for Nicodemus. You know, but still, <laughs> still he is looking for something. There's this young teacher that has been running around. He's from a no-name town in the north country. He's drawing crowds. He's doing miracles. He has almost zero regard for the establishment. 
And so again, from a certain way of looking at things, you might expect, fully expect that Nicodemus would align himself with pretty much all of his peers at the time and see this young teacher that's running around as a threat, as a danger to the proper order of things. But that is not what happens. Instead, John says, this man came to Jesus by night. (laughs) Now that's probably uh, out of precaution, a guy like Nicodemus holding the positions he did drawing the kind of attention he did, representing the order that he represented, should probably not be seen seeking Jesus out. So there's this nocturnal arrangement that gets made just to be safe. But I think there's a lot more going on. John, the writer of the gospel, has already made a pretty big deal about light and dark. He's called Jesus the true light, the light that comes into the darkness, the light that gives light to everyone. So there's a whole other world of meaning here that is just barely under the surface of things. Nicodemus, in the darkness of night, makes his way towards light. He's seen a little light. It's enough for him. It's just enough for him to move around and see if he can't find what it is that he is really looking for such an unlikely moment, you know. It's one that you would really never expect to see. You couldn't plot it out. It's almost like the wind blows wherever it wants. (laughs) So the windows are shuttered and the door is closed and the oil lamp is burning on the table and Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. I love that so much. (laughs) He cannot quite bring himself to ask Jesus a question. (laughs) He can only say what he has seen. He can only describe that little light that he has glimpsed that has somehow given him enough light to get him there that night. Nicodemus is like, it seems to be me, young man, that you know God. And Nicodemus doesn't know it yet, but he has just walked through the door that leads to life. Maybe that's some of us here this morning too, right? You found yourself in church for reasons you can't fully explain. (laughs) Maybe you wonder about Jesus. Maybe you wonder about the people who say that they follow Jesus. Maybe you have some questions that you would like answered. Maybe something feels a little off, you know, and you wonder what Jesus might have to say about that. Maybe, like Nicodemus that night, things are lined up, you know, pretty good in your life, but still, there's this little light that you've seen or that you hope maybe you will see. Well, if that's you or if it even feels a little bit you adjacent, (laughs) here's what I can say. What Jesus says next is really important because it's for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now listen, you know, Nicodemus hadn't said a thing about the kingdom of God or how one might be able to see it if one wanted to be able to see it. But this is where Jesus wants to start with him. This is the beginning place. If you want to see God's gracious and peaceable reign and rule in this world, Nicodemus... 
If you want a front row seat for the drama of God restoring everything in this world to what he meant for it to be in the first place, if you want to see God restoring things to peace and beauty and justice and truth, if you want to know God and be known by him, then you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus is no dummy. He knows that Jesus is is talking in elusive terms. What he doesn't know is what they are. He doesn't have a category for it, he doesn't think. He's not sure he knows what Jesus is alluding to. And now suddenly, this thing feels like the most important thing in the whole world. And so he uses the literal, sarcastic approach to kind of get at the mystery. How could a man be born when he's old, Jesus? Can he go a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What are you talking about, Jesus? I have to know. And so in verse 5, Jesus says the same thing again. But this time, when he says it, he uses categories that might be more familiar to a man like Nicodemus. This is what Jesus says. He says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is is Spirit. Now, now Nicodemus, now he has something he can hang his hat on. (laughs) Because those are words that when they are used together have a rich meaning, a full meaning in the Old Testament that Nicodemus knew like the back of his hand. For instance, Ezekiel 36 that we heard Olivia read. Our Old Testament lesson where God talks about restoring his people. And when he talks about restoring his people, he says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. And I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put in you. I'm guessing the wheels are starting to turn now for Nicodemus. That's the new birth language he knew so so well. A new birth that's worked by God through water in the Spirit. Nicodemus, his mind is racing. He knows before Jesus came on the scene, there was that crazy guy, John the Baptist, out there in the wilderness, baptizing people with water, telling them to repent, telling them they needed to get ready because he wasn't anything close to the main attraction. Someone mightier than him was coming. As John, the gospel writer, put it, he came to bear witness about that light. This is all spinning around in Nicodemus' head. He knew all about that stuff, and now here he is. A man who'd seen a little bit of light and chased after it to see if he could find what he was really looking for. And guess what? Now he's sitting right across from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, look, Nicodemus, don't marvel that I told you you must be born again. You read about God doing this your whole life. Maybe you didn't think it was about you, you know, personally, but I'm here to tell you it is. And if you want that new birth that God promised, it doesn't come through all the stuff you bring to the table. As fine as that stuff is, Nicodemus, as fine as it is, it doesn't come from the blood that you were born into. It doesn't come by virtue of the person that you've made of yourself doesn't come through the respect you've garnered in this world or all of the really, really good stuff that you have no doubt done, Nicodemus. It doesn't even come through your competent judgment of me. I mean, I'm glad you're impressed by the miracles and all that. But I think you know that's not why you're really here with me in the middle of the night. 
talking about the most important stuff in the world. You're here because the wind blows wherever it wants. And you hear the sound and you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, you've been chased here. Led here like a leaf on the wind. And so Nicodemus responds to this with really the truest kind of response that you could have in that moment. How could this be? How could this be true? What are you talking about? It does not get more genuine than that. And so Jesus answers him. And church, honestly, it's kind of a complex answer. It's thick, you know. Jesus switches to plural pronouns and talks some heavy stuff here. But it's worth trying to get at it. Jesus says, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we've seen. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Now, for us, if we've been reading John's gospel, it's way easier for us to understand what Jesus is saying, what he is laying down, than it would have been for Nicodemus in that moment. Because we know at this point already that Jesus is talking about his, his identity, who he really is. The whole gospel started out with, with these words, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I'm sure Nicodemus didn't understand exactly what Jesus was saying about himself in that moment. And as sure as I am of that, I'm also sure of this, that Nicodemus kind of knew what he was getting at. That Jesus is saying, I'm more than a compelling teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm more than a, a worker of miracles. That somehow, in some way, Jesus' identity went deeper than that. And that this necessary new birth, this being born again that he's talking about, it's somehow tied to that identity. It's somehow tied to who Jesus really is. And I'm sure that Jesus knows Nicodemus doesn't understand much of it. And so he illustrates it with a story that Nicodemus surely would have been familiar with, a story from Numbers 21. It is a fascinating and strange story. In the wilderness, God's people had grumbled against him, and then they had been afflicted by these venomous snakes, and they're dying. (laughs) And God tells Moses, look, if you make a bronze serpent and lift it up on a pole, the people who are dying can look at it, and they'll live. That's That's the background. Nicodemus would have known that story. And this is what Jesus says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So what does that mean? (laughs) Well, let me get to that by saying something else first, and I hope you'll bear with me for just a minute. This won't come as a big surprise, but I have never had a baby. (laughs) I have been in the room, however, while someone else had three babies. (laughs) And so let me tell you something I know about that secondhand. The joy of new birth always comes at the cost of the real suffering of someone else. Anyone who's ever been around when a baby's born knows knows that that's true. Somebody in that room is suffering. 
And this is what Jesus is saying about new birth to Nicodemus, about being born again. If Nicodemus or if you or if me, if we want to see the kingdom of God, if we want to enter into the kingdom of God, we have to be born again. This new birth has to happen. If we want to be forgiven of our sins, we want to be set right with God, we want to be part of absolutely every last thing in this created order, being made right, being reconciled to the Father, restored to what it was always meant to be. If we want to be part of that, we got to have this new birth. And we can't make that new birth happen any more than we made our physical birth happen. That's just the truth. (laughs) But because of who Jesus really is, he can make that happen. And in great, scandalous, mysterious love, he has. The joy of our new birth, the joy of us being born again, comes at the cost of his suffering. That is the meaning of the cross, church. (laughs) So the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The cure, the cure for snake-bit people like you and me is to look at Jesus lifted up in love for us. And to believe. And when we do, that's new birth. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to see and to enter into the kingdom of God, his gracious and peaceable kingdom. And so this is what Jesus says just as plainly as he can at the end. (laughs) He just says it as simply as he can. It's no surprise at all that these are some of the most well-known words in the New Testament. For God so loved the world, Nicodemus, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, believe. (laughs) Believe in him if you haven't. Stay with him in faith if you have. Come back to him in faith if you have wandered away. Believe. Let me pray for us. Father, help us to be um, in, in the ways that we can be, in the ways that you've made us to be like Nicodemus, always searching for that light. <laughs> And be gracious to us like you were to him to show us Jesus again lifted up in love for people like us, for our life and for the life of the world. And we pray that you would help us to cling to him in faith and in belief so that we can continue to grow in our faith and mature in our faith so that we can be a people through whom that kind of love is shown to this broken world. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.